millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Hello and welcome to the Chaser Report Afternoon Edition for Wednesday the 2nd of February. I'm Charles Firth and Dom, nice to have you back. Hello, nice to be back. Yeah, Novak Djokovic fired me. <laughs> so on this afternoon's podcast, uh, we've got a very interesting character. His name's Matt Harvey and he's actually been writing for The Shot, which is our sister website uh, for the last few months, as well as uh, The Shovel which is, of course, um, the satirical website uh, based on... Oh, yes, the best new satire site in Australia. No, no, our (laughs) main rival and the worst satire website in the country. Hello, Matt. Hello. Uh, You can expect a barrage of uh, Chaser-focused stories after that. Um, I mean, you'll have to get in the news first, but I guess uh, (laughs) we'll we'll find a way to... Yeah. You didn't always used to do sort of comedy writing, did you? You actually started life working for Centrelink for a while, didn't you? I don't know if you can um, call receiving Centrelink payments working for Centrelink. <laughs> I mean, I mean, work for the dole is definitely they put you to work. <laughs> and, uh, and, so I guess you could you could say yes. And and so what what was that like? So what happened there? They've been an interesting. Because I, I ended up with a robo debt from them. Oh, really? Oh, You're one of the robo debt people, were you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, then uh, I came back so to, to fight them. And, uh, oh, you, you fought them? My, no, my debt was uh, $20,000. And, and, wow. and was it wrong? Over, like, was it untrue? Or? A good chunk of it was untrue. They claim some of it is still true. So the nice thing is I get a little part-time unpaid internship with Centrelink, uh, correcting my own debt. Are they still doing that? Like, after all the scandal and all the controversy and all the apology, they are still targeting people and people for whom, you know, 20 grand is is an absolutely insanely large amount of money because the whole point is these are people who don't have much money and need help. Yeah, yeah. There's still debts in place, ones that were created during that period using the income averaging method. And that because there was only there was four categories that came from that, and only one of them actually erased the debt. Oh, the rest of them were just so sort of like, all right, we were wrong, but you haven't paid anything, so you don't have to do anything. And uh, there was ones that were like, no, we were right, unless you can prove us wrong. Right. So having acknowledged that the whole of our system is a complete piece of shit that is riddled with errors, you have to prove. You have to somehow debug and hack into our mainframe to prove that we were wrong. This is this is really tough. Yeah, it's pretty wild. The the system is a mess, and they've acknowledged that it's a mess by you know giving out a one point two billion dollar payment to people with no compensation, just the base payment, and then uh, and then a lot of the debts, like at least mine. And, Primary, the, the majority of my debt still exists, and uh, I've got to prove my innocence. 
So could we perhaps um, arrange things so that whoever designed the Centrelink computer system got a letter saying you are $1 billion in debt to the Australian people and you have to basically keep working until you've paid the amounts back or at least fix the system? Well, yeah, I would think that fixing the system would be key, especially because at the moment there's a few scandals regarding ministerial spending in amounts like $37,000 to Tim Wilson and uh, I think Josh Frydenberg had some issues with clearing people's debts that turned out to be debts that he couldn't clear. Oh, but they're just allowed to pay them back, aren't they, at, at their own pace? Maybe what we should do is um, write to the government and say, you need to prove to us that all of those car parks for $680 million or whatever it was were needed. <laughs> and if they're not, you have to pay for them. Yeah, well, exactly. They've got to, yeah, exactly. They've got to put it in the work. They've got to prove. Because I, what I had to do as part of my... Uh, you know, my, my due diligence to prove that I wasn't uh, a villain was get all of my old pay, pay slips, right, from jobs oh. that I'd been doing like a decade ago. Oh, my God. And, yeah, and I, I didn't really keep them around because I don't know how you feel about old pay slips, but, like, <laughs> they didn't really spark joy. You no. Know, that's, that's not the point that I was at. I a bunch of pieces of paper that told me that I was poor. I don't want to keep them around the house. And so I had to like go to the bank and clear, I get five years or so worth of uh, bank statements printed. And the the lady at the bank, when I explained what I was getting them for, she was very kind. She goes, um, she goes, oh, what's all this for? And I was like, yeah, I'm just trying to clear my robo debt, which is $20,000. We'd printed about two years worth at that point. She goes, I'll stop charging you here. Oh, because you've got to pay for old bank statements, do you? Yeah, got to pay for the old bank statements. Oh. <laughs> that bank was nicer to me than Centrelink. <laughs> that's that's quite extraordinary. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and did you ever have to, when you were receiving Centrelink, did you ever have to work for the doll? Like, were you part of that doll? I did, the, I did the schools, you know, the way they, they teach you how to, write resumes and interact with human beings. And, and did really? that work? Did that lead to... Oh, they're problems? awful. They're <laughs> awful. In one of the classes that we sat in, the woman wrote on the board uh, a phrase from Romeo and Juliet and got everyone in the class, there's about 20 of us, to say it with a slightly different inflection to show that we understood nuance in language. And these, these are all adults, aren't they? Like These are all adults. It's just condescending. Yep. Yeah. Super condescending. Right. So teach us how to use language because we're too stupid to understand how to get employment. I think to be fair, that's what they do at the Centrelink Training Academy. Like it's <laughs> it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. Like they just, you know, mix it up to try and make you feel as as guilty as possible. Yeah, yeah. You gotta find the right inflection about is it my fault or is it my fault? <laughs> right. Right. Because they're different. Similar but different. Yeah. Uh, how bizarre. I mean, imagine going to it's kind of a parody going to remedial Centrelink class and Romeo and Juliet is the thing that they teach you. Like the, the piece where life is overwhelming and impossible and the two main characters, the namesakes end up, you know, dying at the end. Is it, is that a great you know, a remedial class? a clue as to what they want. Merchant of Venice and <laughs> Robodet can be the pound of flesh. <laughs> so now what, what's happened is you've, you've actually channeled some of this experience and anger <laughs> into <laughs> into comedy. You started actually doing comedy shows, and and you've got one coming up in 
Adelaide and, and Melbourne Comedy Festival this year called the Wage, Wage Against the Machine. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so this is a an anti-work comedy where I spill some of the tea about some of my old jobs and about Centrelink and about you know, my robo-debt experience. And, uh, you know, I, I talk a little bit about using uh, satire and social commentary to, you know, break those things down. And and you said anti-work. What What is the anti-work movement? Mm, well, yeah, it's interesting that you should uh, bring that up because the anti-work movement, I think, is being misconstrued to... If, if anyone saw the recent uh, Fox News article, uh, they're being misconstrued as people who don't want to work as opposed to people who want... It depends on, on who you ask. Mm. So there's a range of wants. So, Some so- people will... So, so the anti-work movement is this is the su- the group of subreddit that's now got what 1.6 million followers in the US. Yeah, and I think it's, it's just, good to pin down exactly what it is because it sounds as though I can't join it just because I don't want to work with Charles, for instance. <laughs> that that yeah. wouldn't be legit yeah. enough. Well, I mean, you could classify not working with Charles as better working conditions. That's true, actually. Mm. Yeah, and then and then you're all fine. You can jump on board because I think at the bottom end, people just want better working conditions. And at the top end, people are asking for support like, you know, UBI, you know, mm. Universal Basic Income. And and so the thing is that this this whole movement has sort of exploded out of basically nothing overnight in the US. It's become extremely popular, most one of the most popular oh, yeah, things yeah. On, on Reddit. Absolutely. And suddenly... The US has done nothing to build this uh, fervour of hatred of its minimum wage workers. It hasn't uh, suppressed wages over time and kept people at uh you know poverty levels or below poverty levels it's it's all overnight it's mm. definitely just yeah, <laughs> yeah just started right. it's not the inevitable but, culmination of decades yeah. of, of, of struggle and suffering life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com the chaser report now with extra whispers the thing that gets me is that there are some countries where creatives can get paid to do stuff. And it just it just sort of occurs to me that rather than the kind of humiliating work that will lead nowhere that work for the doll tends to involve, like if someone wants to develop a comedy show or write a novel or do a bunch of painting, like surely that's something we could all say that's actually a, a worthwhile thing to do. Because in terms of actually creating work and developing skills and doing, like this is a career for you now. You're a, you're a stage performer and in many ways you know, thank Centrelink for giving you the massive rage that you're pouring into this show. Well, yeah, I mean, there is definitely some countries that are way more supportive. Um, uh, Ireland recently, so this is a, a big ministerial uh, portfolio. They're Minister for Tourism, Culture, Arts, Sport, Media and uh, Gaeltecht, which is like communities that speak Gaelic. Right. Uh, they, they've introduced a um like an artist's ubi that a certain amount of artists will be able to apply for but they have earmarked 25 million euro to pay to artists to you know it's it's born out of the coronavirus and Mm. covid support but they've they've put in a place some sort of method because they've recognized that art is quite important for their culture uh you know people really got on board with riverdance for a while there and if they can bring that back 
I mean, that's the first argument against it I've heard. <laughs> but um, so UBI UBI is a universal basic income. Yeah. It? So this would be, and, a, and so it's, it's not like the dollar. It's sort of more money, isn't it? Well, but I guess it depends on how much you how much is introduced. So they're putting it at their minimum wage, which is ten fifty euros an hour, mm. uh, but with no set maximum. So they're still working out exactly how much they would pay. But the common argument for UBIs would be uh, you would pay uh, a base level living wage and if people needed more money, wanted to do more things, wanted to support themselves, then they could maybe get a part-time job. Uh, you know, someone like myself would go into the arts and mm. use that money to support their artistic pursuits. Um, and if someone just wanted was happy with what they were receiving, was happy to watch videos and do YouTube, that's fine. Like and- that's what they do. Yeah, and you know that you're going to have your your rent paid and some level of food. Or I mean, this is the thing. It's sort of three different things we're talking about. We're talking about the work for the dole notion that there's mutual obligation, as they like to put it, as though they're sort of grumpy parents. The um, the idea of of funding for artists to do what they do, but then also, I mean, the UBI, as, as I understand it, is, is just what you say that we just say that we're going to have a line. No one in the whole society exists below this line. We don't want anyone to live in poverty. We can afford to have you know a, a base level that then people can augment but i mean that's kind of civilized isn't it to make sure that no Being one extremely civilized i mean in your family if you can afford it no parent will, will let their kid not be able to buy food if they have the resources to stop that and presumably in countries like ireland and australia we actually do have that yeah yeah and it's fascinating the way that the um that the government feels it still has a moral right to police how people spend their money. Because I don't know what they've wasted more of over their time the last eight years, like taxpayer money or uh, our time to react to climate change. Like it's hard to to really weigh those two things. There's been incredible amounts of wastage. I mean, car parks again, <laughs> probably quite high on the list. But no, it's, 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 I guess it shows what priorities are, isn't it? I mean, it's either the priority is to try and um, punish people because there's a view that, if you don't have a minimum level of effort, if you're not, you know, having a go to get a go, then that's not okay. Or just saying, you know what, people can do nothing if they want to, that or, or develop things or whatever it is. It just they're going to have a, a small amount of money. I mean, I, I think I have a lot of sympathy for the for the second amount, and particularly that's what sort of what we did with the chaser, wasn't it, Charles? I mean, we mm. we basically tried to scrap by as little as possible for a few years until we got paid a bit below minimum wage. Like no, I remember was... 1999, I earned $6,000. And that was wow. that was doing basically babysitting and phone polling. Um, and like not, the chaser didn't pay anything, but it was sort no. of, we sort of, that's what we wanted to do. Yeah. And it, it, it ended up, I mean, some might argue that it's an argument against having something like a UBI, <laughs> the chase that comes out of it. But it is how things happen. I mean, everyone that I know, and I know a lot of people, for instance, who are visual artists, and the people who are able to make it either somehow manage to sell their work for a lot of money early, which is very rare, or have... Rich um, parents. You know, for people who can fund them, a partner or a parents or something who can actually give them a couple of years of living at home or whatever. And it's not fair for people who don't have that opportunity to not be able to pursue that, because... Guess what? Some of them then sell their works for hundreds of millions of dollars down the track or whatever. Not even with artists necessarily. It's just people who potentially could find that they are skilled in other ways. Like maybe they can go back to uni or TAFE part-time mm. and 
find that they are they're good at an, another skill and then they might end up earning more money than they ever would have had they not had that support in the first mm. place or or not earning money like isn't the point that you know the goal doesn't have to be to earn lots of money in life they might find that they like spending time with their family and have a really satisfying life. They might. Or they <laughs> might become podcasters. I mean, no! <laughs> we need no, more podcasts. But in all seriousness, I, I kind of think that's true. We should question the notion of why does everybody have to work to exist when there's enough money in this society, in this society to go around, right? Like Gina Reinhardt and Clive Palmer can afford to, to pay a few people to, to watch YouTube in their pyjamas. I think that's fine. Yeah. So is this all um, in your show? Is this what Wage Against the Machine is about? There's this, some of this is touched on because obviously I, I need to uh, pepper a few more laughs in there. Or, uh, yeah, you can't just preach at people. Um, yeah, it's kind of strange because like even I've got some numbers here. There are some sad numbers. Is this show going to have graphs? No, I know. I don't have any it's graphs. It's not a bad show. thing. Right, I've seen it. it done. Oh, no, I've seen good graphs, but uh, I, I, just, I can't. Carry graphs yeah. around. I can't do graphs. Oh, our, our <laughs> show has graphs. The one that we're doing at the Fringe, which is called Spin. Uh, it's on from the 8th till the 21st of March. Uh, well, I would ex- I expect a show named Spin to have some sort of, yeah. uh, of you know presentation element to we, it. We have lots of um, pie charts that are actually designed by the Australian's graphic designer. So um, keep an eye out for that. Oh. It's amazing how many of these interviews end up being a convoluted plug for Charles's show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's only fair. This is also a convoluted plug for my show. No, so. no but that's yeah. that's legit. That's legit. <laughs> yeah. So your show is called Wage Against the Machine. You can find out mm-hmm. all about it at mattharveystuff.com um, or yeah. you can just go to the Adelaide Fringe website. I'm sure you can find it there. Uh, it's playing in Adelaide from the 2nd to the 6th of March and then on to the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Yeah, yeah, from the 31st until the 22nd of April. Lovely. 31st of March till 22nd of April. Yeah. Amazing. And your articles for The Shot? What's it like um, writing for The Shovel? Are they better than us? Well, you guys haven't accepted any of my proposals, so. Yeah, they're, we're, they're, we're more discerning, I think. <laughs> Good luck with the show, Matt. Thank you. I hope everyone not only laughs, but is convinced of the merits of a universal basic income. <laughs> I mean, if they take nothing else from the show, that'd be a good start. Uh, I'm, I'm keen to, to talk about the, the time I broke a big roller coaster and, and saved a bunch of people's lives. So, Ooh, that's, that's, a, that's a hook. That's a hook. Yeah. Wouldn't have minded hearing that in the past 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All the best. Our gear is from Rode Microphones and we are part of the ACAST Creator Network. We'll have another one of these tomorrow. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.